Amen. Well, get out your bulletin. There's some notes you can follow along with us. You can also follow along with us on your app, on the notes section, sermon notes section. You can go there and do that. Now, the Lord gave me a word um, for today, because and in, in the, in the reason is, is really what's happening in our society. There is an attack on manhood. Attack on masculinity. And, um, and I want to I talk about what it means to really be a man of God, okay? And it's not, a, it's not a lot of times we have our own views of that, but we really need to find a clear and precise definition of what masculinity is, because if we turn to the world, it gives, it's screwed up, you know? It's all messed up. You, you, you have things on, you look on media, movies and TVs, and it's from one range to another. You got this tough guy, and you got this not-so-tough guy. I mean, you got, they don't even know how to explain what a man is, so what do they do? If you don't know what it is, you're scared of it, you attack it. And, and there's a reason this world is attacking manhoods, because... There's not been a model one besides Jesus. And the thing about it is, is that we've learned how to be a man from our dads, our grandparents, our um, grandfathers, our you know, books, and everything else. But we haven't really looked into Jesus. Jesus is the ultimate man. In fact, if you want to see yourself, if you never sinned, if, if Adam never sinned, you wanted to know what you would be like, like, you, all you have to do is look at Jesus, because that's exactly who you would be like. You would love like him, you would live like him, you would walk like him, you would talk like him. That's who Jesus was. He was what some theologians call the second Adam. And so really to describe man, you really have to look at God, because God is the one who made man. He molded man into his image and his likeness. It was with intimacy, and it was with care, and it was with love. And then he breathed spirit, pneuma, into man. It was not just air. It was life. It was his life. It was part of the, of the very spirit of God was put into man. You and I were created, man and women, created to be like God. I mean, we were created as a part of God. Part of God is who, who we are. We are a part of his being, a part of who he is. Now, sin came in and separated all that, and we lost that part. But Jesus came back to restore that in us. Now, so to look at man and what it means to be a real man, a real man of God, real masculinity, what real masculinity is, you've got to look at Jesus because he is the one who um, was the example of that here on this earth. If we had never sinned, we were to have that. So why the world is attacking masculinity is because they don't know what it is. They don't know what it looks like, so they're trying to define it, and some things don't line up with what they're defining. And so we have to look at, men, uh, at God, at Jesus, to see who it is. So there's 12 attributes of Jesus that, that made him a man of God. Now there's more, but I want to deal with just 12 this morning real quickly. I thought if I go more than 12, I'd lose most of the men in here. So anyway, so I wanted to do just 12 points, um, and I probably should have stuck with one, but anyway, I, I'm doing 12, because I want us to know this. Now, I want you to, when you write down these notes on this, I want you to write them down, not in shame, not in say, I don't, I don't line up, because most of, most of us will not. In fact, all of us 
in some way we don't line up because none of us are perfect. And if you think you're perfect, just ask the person next to you. Okay? Because you're not. We're all a work in progress, and that's okay as long as we're progressing, right? As long as we're growing. But I want you to write them down, and I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, whether you're a man or a woman in here, how do I fit in, some, in these things? How, how am I walking this out? Because I believe that there's, I believe there's something great that's going to happen among men in these last days, and that men are going to rise up and take their place in the kingdom of God. They're not going to believe the lies that the world is telling them. They're not going to live those lies any longer. But they're going to rise up into something greater. Amen. How many guys would agree with that? Come on, give the Lord praise for that. Amen. Okay, number one of 12 of an attribute of Jesus. Jesus committed to following a greater authority. He was committed to following someone greater than him. And who was the only person that was greater than Jesus was God. He was committed to following someone greater. That's why Jesus would say something in Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God. And he would even tell his disciples, when the disciples says, hey, listen, I need to go back and bury my, my, the dead. And he says, let the dead bury the dead. You are all about the kingdom. It was single focus he wanted people to be, and that is about the kingdom of God. It was about God himself. He had a greater authority. He bowed his knee. He bowed himself to God. He didn't do anything unless he saw the Father doing it. See, and that's the thing that we need to be. You are not a self-made man. You cannot do it yourself. You're not supposed to even lead yourself. The only way that we can lead others, whether man or woman, is that we are being led by God. And so we have to bow our knee down to the Heavenly Father and says, yes, to you, God, whatever you say goes, whatever you want goes, whatever you want from me, I'm going to do no matter what. I'm going to be submitted. You know what submission means? That I lose control and I give it to you, God. Whatever your word says, whatever your Holy Spirit leads me to do, I'm going to do. Amen? Jesus was committed to that. That was one of the attributes that made him a man of God. You know you're becoming a man of God by how much you bow your knee to God. And then when I mean bow your knee to God, I mean sometimes do things that you don't want to do. Didn't Jesus do that in the Garden of Gethsemane? Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me, but not my will but your will be done. Amen? See, a man of God is going to submit to the Heavenly Father in all things. That means if he says it, you do it, right? If he tells you to jump, you jump, right? He tells you to go, you go. He tells you to sit, you sit. He tells you to speak, you speak. That's what Jesus said. That's all he did. That's what he did. That's what made him who he was. Number two, the second attribute is that Jesus allowed the Father to affirm his identity. Before Jesus did any miracle, before Jesus went into the wilderness to be tempted, Jesus' identity was affirmed by the Father God. He said, God told him after his baptism, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Listen, if anything I know about men is that we have an identity issue. We don't feel like we're good enough. 
we compare ourselves, we don't think that we can do it, we have this struggle in us all the time, right? Can I say it here right? Isn't that right, men? You've got to allow nothing else to tell you who you are. You can't let the people tell you who you are. You can't let your circumstances, good or bad, tell you who you are. The only one you need to allow to tell who you are is God Almighty, Father God, right? And he calls you his son in whom I am well pleased. You've got to accept the sonship that God has for you. In fact, a man exhibits authentic manhood when he allows the Word of God and the Spirit of God to affirm his identity as a son. I need to speak it. Um, I need to write it down. I need to, I need to tell myself over and over again. I may, my, my actions may not always line up to what God says I am, but I need to believe what God says I am and who God says I am before my, my actions. I'm not going to believe my actions. I'm going to believe what God says I am because he knows the truth about me, right? Just because you mess up doesn't mean that's true. Yes, you messed up, you repent, but that's not who you are. Who you are, it says, God says, I love you, you're my son, I've anointed you, I've equipped you for every good work. That's what God says about you, amen? And you need to allow God to tell you that, and you need to receive that, because if you don't, you're going to believe something else, because somebody else is going to tell you who you are. You know, we're all discipled by something. You can either be discipled by God or you can be discipled by man in a bad way. We're all going to be discipled by someone. And the world, if you want to let the world tell you who you are, listen. It, you'll be defeated in no time. But if you let God tell you, you are a king. Amen? And you've got to speak it. You've got to write it down. You've got to plaster it all over your house. You've got to get everybody else to speak. When someone speaks the opposite, you've got to look them in the eye and say, listen, don't say that about me. That's not who God says I am. This is who God says I am. Amen? Come on, give the Lord praise for that. That's just good. <laughs> Allow the Father to affirm your identity. Jesus did that. And when he went into the wilderness to be tempted, what was he tempted? What did Satan tempt him of? His identity. If you are the Son of God, then Don't let the devil talk to you. Don't let the enemy, don't let those voices that come against you talk to you. Women, that's the same thing for you. I mean, I'm not leaving you out. You're a daughter of God. You're, you're, you're just, as, just as important as man. Amen? Every woman say amen. Right? Not leaving you out, right? Don't let the enemy talk to you and tell you who you are. You allow God... God's word says a lot about you and him. Amen? Amen. So Jesus allowed the Father to affirm his identity. Number three, the third attribute, is that she, Jesus showed us how to respect women. Come on, you can keep on clapping. That's a good one. You know, Jesus lived in a society that had little regard for women. And listen, I want you to understand that. Women wasn't educated. In fact, the, 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 the verse 
uh, in the Bible that talks about how women should be silent in church is, is, is not what it means. And don't let anybody tell you that. I've studied it over and over, and you go study it over and over. And trust me, you'll come up with the same thing I came up with, that it is a cultural thing because women were uneducated during that time. They were not allowed to go to school. And so when Paul is speaking in a church, men on one side, it's like we do children's church sometimes, men on one side, girls on the other side. You know, that's basically what it was like. Men had a higher, higher um, place in, in, in that area, in any kind of, of, of place in, in the, uh, the city, any kind of place. I mean, women were discarded. In fact, a man could divorce a woman because she burnt the brownies. Now, brownies are dear to my heart, but it's not a case for divorce, right? So Jesus, he, he changes things. So it's a, it's a cultural issue. So when, when Paul says women should be silent and talk to your man at home, it's because they were, they were asking him questions because he, they dare not ask another man anything because they could get beaten. I'm sorry, that's just the way it was. And so that he says, stop yelling in church and asking questions. That's basically what it was. Now, I've had many, many people talk, back, talk to me about that, where they're saying, well, women can't preach to men. I, in fact, I had, when I was sick a number of years ago, I, if I could get to the stage, I could preach. But if I couldn't get to the stage, it, it, someone else had to do it. And so most of the time I could get to the stage, and a lot of people, re you really wouldn't know that I was really sick. I was, you know, I don't want to go into detail. But, but one time I was in my office, and I said, Lisa, and I, Lisa studied with me. And I said, you're going to have to teach. And she said, okay. And she went up and te taught the first service. I, I go to my computer. I had an email right after the first service. I was able to get up to my computer in my office. I was laying in, I have a little couch in my office. And uh, I went up to my computer, and I had an email from a guy that was in our, in, in, came to the church, and he says, I don't know if you know this, but your wife was preaching, and I think there's going to be men in the second service, and you shouldn't have her preach. For th four weeks, this guy argued with me over and over again. And I says, listen, my wife is going to preach. We're going to honor women. They have a word to say. And it's not, they're not, she's not taking authority over anybody. She is teaching the word of God, which God commands all to do. And how many of you guys are all? Raise your hand in here, man and women, right? So women, thou art loose. You can do whatever you want in that way, right? Amen? Jesus respected women. There's a big thing going on right now in the body of Christ about women uh, speaking, and that's just completely wrong. It's of the devil. There's going to be a revival uh, on all flesh, uh, Paul said. All flesh is going to prophesy. You're, and I tell you what, you don't have to worry about it because it's going to be men and women, young and old, all together. The generation is going to come together. Uh, men and women are going to come together, and we're going to be a light to this world, and this world's going to say, I want some of that. Amen? Jesus respected women. In that time, you shouldn't even talk to women. Men would not talk to women in public. You wouldn't talk to women. But what did Jesus go and do? He talked to the Samaritan woman. Not only was she a woman, but she was Samaritan. He broke all the rules. He honored a woman. He called it the widow's might, and he told everybody about it. This woman has more faith than all of you because she gave everything. He respected his mother in Luke chapter 2 
He honored the woman, says woman of, of, of great faith, woman with the issue of blood. See, Jesus taught us how to respect women and to honor and to respect them. Christ's example is for us today, men. You want to be a man of God? You're going to honor your wife. You're going to respect your wife. You're going to respect the women around you. You're going to honor them. It's not like this world. This world thinks they are trying to honor women, but they're destroying women. Look on what's all the media that they, they, they love, all the movies, everything. It is not honor. Pornography is not honor. Amen? Real men are ones who offer dignity and honor and respect. One of the things I do when I, I do a wedding, and, and some of you were at a wedding yesterday that I did, I make sure that the couple knows, and they've, everything I say to them, I've already said to them in premarital counseling, because I won't do a, 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 a wedding without premarital counseling. And so I tell them, and, I, and just during the ring ceremony part of it, and I tell them that this woman stands by your side, not under your feet. There's a spiritual responsibility of a man. God is a God of order, and, and there is an order. Don't get me wrong. There is an order, and that's the way he established it. But it does not reject women. It honors them. My wife and I are a team, right? We are a team. And I haven't always known that. I haven't always respected her well in that way. But I, I'm telling you what, God has just given us revelation over the last 10 years of that even more. Because I, had, I didn't have really that understanding of that. Women, you are respected here, you are honored here, and you have a place here, just as men. Men, the best thing we can do, in fact, we will find us being greater how we honor and respect our wives, how we honor and respect our daughters, how we honor and respect every woman in this place. Amen? So men, give a hand to all the women in this place. Amen? Thank you. Amen. There's a lot more to be said, and as the Lord leads me, I might, I might do a series on that, but a little bit later, of the women in the Bible, because there's a lot of strong... In fact, Jesus, I want you to know something. Some of his greatest supporters were women. The greatest evangelists, some of the greatest evangelists that Jesus had were women. Amen? Everybody say amen. That's right. Amen. Number four, Jesus was committed to spiritual discipline. If you want to be a man of God, you want to be a woman of God. You've got to be committed to spiritual discipline. This is what Jesus did, Mark 1, 35. Rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus departed and went out to a desolate place. What did he do there? Prayed. Listen, you will never rise to the level that God has for you as a man unless you become a man of prayer and a man of the word. You need that. Because listen, like I said, you're going to be discipled by something. But you've got to learn to be the prophet of your own life. You've got to learn to go before the, the Lord in prayer and in study. Well, I don't like to read. Well, get an audio book and play it all the time. I don't care, but you've got a place to get it. Get the word of God into you. Well, Sean, I don't like to pray. Well, start liking it. Because trust me, you get addicted to it. 
because you start to see the things of God. You start, God starts to open up new things in your life, and that's what he established. Prayer is just communicating to God. Communicate with him. Talk with him. Tell him your deepest thoughts and your fears and, and your anger and your happiness and your joy. I mean, tell him everything and allow God to do something great in your life in that. Be a man of prayer and be a man of the word. Even if it's just, just Sean, I, 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 I get lost after five minutes. We'll start with five minutes. Then maybe the next time do six. I mean, it doesn't matter. Just start to increase in that level and watch God make you into that man he's called you to be because most destinies of men are lost because of excuse. The destinies of men are lost because of excuse. Stop the excuse. Rise up. God has something great for you. Don't allow the excuse of I can't or I don't like or I don't even want to to stop you from doing what God has called you to do and who God has called you to be. Amen? Rise up and do that. Jesus told his disciples how important it is. He says, if you would abide, and he used the word abide in the Greek, it really means to live in. If you live in my word, you are truly my disciples. And I love this part. And you will know the truth, and the truth will what? Set you free. Amen? Isn't that good? Jesus was committed to spiritual discipline. Number five, he was committed to growth and production, especially spiritual fruit. John 15, 8, Jesus said this. He says, by this my Father is glorified. I love this part. By this my Father is glorified. What is our, our, our whole goal in life is to glorify the Father in everything we do, right? So by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit so you prove to be my disciples. In a lot, a lot of years, I used to think that was me going out and winning souls and making disciples. That is a command and that is important and Jesus was all about that too. But the fruit he's talking about is spiritual fruit is the fruit of the Spirit of God living inside of you. Now, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 says this. He says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So the thing about it is, God is glorified when I am increasing in goodness. God is glorified when I'm increasing in self-control. God is glorified when I'm increasing in gentleness. God is glorified when I'm increasing in love and joy and peace and long-suffering and kindness and goodness. You know, God, in, God is glorified when I start to be like Jesus, right? See, the thing about it is, you have no power in of yourself to be like Jesus. And Jesus knew that. That's why he said to his disciples, I'm leaving so another shall come. And by the Holy Spirit, it's going to come and be your comforter, comforter, be your guide, be your helper. To help what? To help you be like Jesus. That is the most important part. You'll see more people come to Christ. You'll see more miracles. You'll have a better life when you increase in the Spirit of God. Now, how do you increase in the Spirit of God? You allow Him to work. You dedicate yourself to the Spirit. You become a man or a woman of the Spirit of God. You have the Holy Spirit inside of you. That's why Jude says in Jude 20, build up yourself in your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit. It is so important 
that you allow the Holy Spirit to increase in you goodness. So, so he gives us joy, peace, love, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. He gives us that, and what we need to do is we need to paste that on our walls, and we need to evaluate ourselves every day. We need to say, how did I do in joy? Was I joyful today? Was I full of joy? And, and, and it, was, it, was it not, not uh, 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 worked on be, or, 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 or influenced by my circumstances? Do I have joy today because of who God is? You've got you to gotta see, am I, am, I, am I in love today? Am I, in, am I, am I have goodness? I have long-suffering, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. How am I doing in the fruit of the Spirit? It will determine how your life will give glory to God. So evaluate yourself. Have people around you evaluate yourself. Hey, how do you think I'm, I'm am, I, am I loving like God wants me to love? Do I have long-suffering like I should? you got to ask yourself that. Because it's so important. If you want to be a man of God, evaluate yourself. If you want to be a woman of God, evaluate yourself. And allow others to come in and be a part in that and see. You know, some, one of the best person I have in my life to evaluate me is the one who knows me more. And that's my little dog. No, I'm joking. That's my wife. My dog evaluates me as long as I give him a treat. But anyway, um, he thinks I'm great. But my wife, I ask her, and in fact, I don't really even have to ask my wife. She actually tells me <laughs> how I'm doing. But I tell you what, I'm so thankful. Because, you know, none of us are perfect. That's not an excuse. We're just not. It's truth. We're not perfect. But it doesn't mean we can't strive for it. So how I evaluate myself is I ask people around me, and especially my wife and my kids, because they know me more than anything. They know me when my, uh, my everything's, I don't have to impress anybody, I'm at home. How am I doing in love? How am I doing in joy and peace? Listen, being a man of God, you have the power inside of you to do that. But it does take you to take the steps of faith to accomplish it. And you've got to recognize that. God has something great for you. And this world, listen, listen. This world is crying out for true, a true example of masculinity. And it only becomes because we model who Jesus is. So this is how we model. This is who Jesus was. And, and he gave his spirit not just so you can get goosebumps. Not so you can pray in tongues and have the power gifts alone. It's for us to have the fruit of the Spirit. And it's so important, just as much as the power gifts. Amen? Number six, Jesus is committed to carrying out God's mission. He was all about going in all the world and preaching the gospel. Making disciples about an all-nation, baptizing in the name of the Father and the, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything that he has commanded. Listen, we've got to be about the kingdom. Because the best thing for you and I is to be about the kingdom of God, to see in his kingdom grow. And so Jesus was committed to that, to carry out God's mission. Aren't you glad someone was committed to carrying out God's mission and you gained, became a believer? Right? Be that to somebody else. In fact, not only do we, on Father's Day, should we celebrate earthly fathers, but we also should celebrate spiritual fathers. They are 
just as important. And some of my dad was my spiritual father. He's the one that led my family to the Lord. But some people don't have that. And you could be that person to somebody who comes, becomes a spiritual father and leads someone to Christ and disciple them. How, how great is that? I love that. I love that. To see some of my spiritual sons and daughters, I see them all over the city, to see them just rejoicing and loving Jesus and continuing that process. Be a spiritual father to someone. Number seven, Jesus commits to love others faithfully. John 13, 34, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you, and you also are to love one another. By this, all the people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. That we need to be faithful in loving people no matter what. No matter if they hate you, no matter if they talk about you, you need to turn the cheek and love. Amen? You need to love people no matter what. The world would say don't. Get even, get back. No, the, God says no, love. You need to love them. And he was the example of love. He loved the people who rejected him. He loved the people who crucified them. On the cross, up on the cross, after he'd been beaten, whipped, and everything else, and crucified, he looks down at the people who just did that and said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I would have been giving God a list of how he could get back at them. But Jesus didn't do that. He loved them. You need to love. If you want to be a man of God, you want to be a woman of God, you must love. It's, it's, it's not uh, something that you can pick and choose. You've got to love others faithfully. Have accountability and tell people that's not love. That's not love. So you'll start loving people and denying yourself and loving them. Number eight, Jesus was also his brother's keeper. That means when he saw a brother getting attacked, going away from the Lord, he went after him. That's our job. Jesus was conscious that Satan was attacking Peter. He knew he was going to try to destroy Peter. And in Luke chapter 22, verse 31, Jesus didn't stand idly by he didn't just say a silent prayer, but he went to Peter, prayed for him, and encouraged him. And this is what he says, Satan has desired to hate you, to have you, that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you. Isn't that cool? He has prayed for you. See, a man exhibits manhood, authentic manhood, when he looks out for the spiritual welfare of others in Christ Jesus. That's so important. We want to be like Jesus. We're going to look out for everyone around, and we're going to love them. Number nine, real quickly. Jesus loves kids. I love this. Jesus, in, when he was very busy, his disciples were pushing away the kids, and Jesus said, bid them to come to me. I want them to come here to me. He loved kids. He actually rebuked the people that was interfering them from coming to him. See, Christ's example today is that men do not ignore children, but they pay attention to them and protect them. A real man 
a real man of God cares for kids. Listen, I want to tell you something. We love kids around here. We love kids. And listen, really, I'm going to be honest with you. Some of you men need to sign up for children's ministry. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's you, if he's a man. I'm telling you what. Some of the greatest things can happen in, in our children and youth ministries. And they need fathers. They need, they need godly examples. Amen? Listen, let me tell you something. You'll gain more working in kids' ministry than you will sitting on your butts up here. That's just really good, isn't it? <laughs> I'm honest with you. I've, I've, I've worked kids' ministry too. I know it. In fact, when I'm sick, I'm going to run to a kid to pray for me. Because, man, they have faith. In fact, Jesus describes it as that faith as a child. Right? They're not as screwed up as all of us, right? But I'm telling you what. Jesus cared for kids. He loved kids. He didn't treat them as second best or anything else. He loves them. In fact, a lot of the revivals that have happened in the past were started with young people. With young people. So the, some of the best things you can do is work in children's ministry and youth ministry. Some of the most impactful things you can do is do that. I want to challenge you to do that. Jesus loved it. He loved having kids. Have you, have you ever thought, how many guys have kids in here? Raise your hand. Have you ever thought about your kids being a brother and sister in the Lord? Have you ever looked at them as that? That they're a brother and sister in the Lord instead of just my son and daughter? Now, that's, son and daughter's great. Trust me, you don't, don't ever want to give that up. I love that. But I've got to realize that God can do great things in my kids. And that they can, you know, one of the things, you know, our kids have never really went away from the Lord. You know, I have a 23-year-old who's married. I have a 14, almost 15-year-old. And, and a lot of pastor kids have that. But the reason we probably don't as much is not that we were perfect parents, trust me. Somebody asked me, how does your, you must teach your son the Bible all the time. He knows all the Bible. No, I sent him to a Baptist school. But anyway, um, but the thing about it is we've always involved them in ministry. Lisa and I don't look down on our kids. We don't think that they're less of a person, that they can preach the, preach, preach the word. I can tell you what, I can get you my, give you my nine-year-old daughter will come up here and preach a word, and you will receive it. She is good. Listen, you've got to understand, when, you, when you, you're going to be like Jesus, you're not going to look down on kids and youth. You're going to realize that they have potential and that God can do something great in them. Amen? I think we shortchange our kids all the time because we don't allow them to be great, right? We don't allow them. We think it's further on in the future when we're forgetting about the now. Amen? Jesus didn't do that. He says, bring these kids to me. I love them. And he brought them there. Jesus loves kids. Number 10, real men control themselves. You know, Jesus experienced temptations just like anybody else, but he controlled himself. How did he control himself? Because he, he, he loved the word of God. And when the word of God said it, he, he said not to do it, he didn't do it. 
And when the Word of God said to do it, he did it. He loved the moral code, the, the law of God, and never deviated from it. Christ's example for men today is not to be driven by their urges, not to do what feels good, not to do what's convenient. That's in everything, not just in sin issues. That could be in how you handle your money. It's in everything that you need to learn control. Amen? You need to control your anger, right? You need to control you know, your anger. There's a, there's a specific part for godly anger. The Bible says anger and what? Sin not. There's something in men that there is to be an anger. That's supposed to be a righteous anger, right? Like, like when Jesus made the whip and took everyone out of, the, out of the temple because they were selling things. There's a time for that. But you need to learn self-control. And only by getting into the Word, praying, and allowing the Holy Spirit can you do that. Real men control themselves. Eleventh, the eleventh attribute is Jesus walked in humility. I kept this for almost the last one because it's so important. Humility. You know, although Philippians 1 says Jesus was in the form of God, he laid down his rights to operate like God and became a man. And he died on the cross to save his creation. The creator dying at the hands of his creation. There's no greater display of humility than that. Is to lay down your life. Not that you're going to have to be crucified. I'm talking about laying down your ambitions. Laying down your thoughts. Laying down everything and put them at the feet of the cross. And say, God, I'm yours. Humble yourself before the Lord. A man exhibits that authentic manhood when he humbles himself for a cause beyond and greater than himself. See, when life becomes not about you, that's when you can really live. What did Jesus say? He said this, if you lose your life, you'll what? Gain it. That's humility. That I lose my life and I actually gain life. If I keep my life, I'll lose it. That's what he said. If you live just for all you want to do and all you who you want to be, then you're going to eventually lose your life. Trust me. It will eat away at your life. Because number one, you never have enough. You, you're never good enough because that's all you're going. You're doing it in your own power. But when you lose your life, you become weak. And guess who becomes strong? God. Humble yourself. Women, humble yourself. Humble yourself before the Lord and give it to Him. And the final one, number 12, is that Jesus committed to sacrifice His life for all else. John 3, 16. He was our model and is our model. He sacrificed everything. See, today the Lord wants you to do that. Men, how do you become a man of God that desires to, to be like Jesus? Let me, let, let me give you this one thing. Get to know Jesus. How do you do all these 12? Or even more, there's a lot more, by the way. How do you do them? Get to know Jesus. Don't get to know the, the book that you're reading. Don't get to know the movies that you want. Get to know Jesus. Spend time with Jesus. It is all about Jesus. Get to know him. Study his word. 
get, get into prayer. Find out what is li- he's like and imitate him. You know, we don't like the word imitate because we think if we imitate, we're being fake. No, you're not being fake. The Bible's in the word imitate, and the Bible means be just like him. So do it. Start doing these 12. Look at these 12 and start doing it, acting it out. Well, Sean, I I feel hypocritical because I'm not always like this. Stop your feelings. You're not led by your feelings. Because if you continue to act it out, guess what? You're going to become it. What is that? Fake it till you make it? Right? Do it. That's what Paul says. Imitate God as dear children. You ever seen a child imitate their dad or their mom? They walk behind them. And they do exactly what they do. My son, he, uh, when he was uh, like three or four, we had this um, Tykes, you know, uh, lawnmower. And he used to love to walk behind me when I mow, my, mow the yard. He doesn't do that anymore. <laughs> but when he was a kid, he would walk behind me and do exactly what I did. And so one day, I was, I, he kept on, every time I mowed the yard, he'd run out and get us, and he'd start coming behind me. And I had a push mower, and so, so I would, I just stopped, and I just wanted to see what he did, and I, I bent down to look at something. I wasn't looking at anything. I just stopped the lawnmower and looked at, like I was fixing something. He did the same thing. That's what Paul's saying. We have an example of what a real man is. Imitate him. <laughs> Do as he did. Talk like he talked. Pray like he prayed. Speak God's word like he speaks. Lay hands on people like he laid hands on people. And watch God move in you. Take these 12 attributes and start, start just doing them. Sean, you don't understand. I, I may not understand. But it doesn't mean you use that as an excuse. Start walking it out today. Be the man who God's made you to be. There's nothing stopping you but you. Because if you're a believer in here, you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, guess what? The Holy Spirit has empowered you to do it. Just let the power out and start walking it. He's called, he's anointed you to be the man, to be the dad, to be the father that he's called you to be, to be the employer, to be the minister. Women, he's called you to be who God's made you to be. It's all in us already. All we need to do, steps of faith, imitate him, and just do it. And watch God do something. So I challenge you today, if you've never prayed before, like before in your family, you've never prayed with your family. A lot of times this is what happens, men, when we never do something. We feel hypocritical when we, are, we need to do it. And especially when our wives tell us, are you going to pray? That, that, doesn't, that doesn't help us at all. No, I'm not going to pray. You know, like, I want to challenge you to do something different. They may look at you funny. They may look at you in unbelief. But Father God looks on you and says, that's my boy. <laughs> my son. 
That's my daughter. Come on. He's your biggest cheerleader. Allow him to be your dad today. Men and women, allow him to be your father. And go and watch what he does like Jesus did. This is all that Jesus did. He saw his father mow the yard. And he got his lawnmower and walked right behind him. He did the same thing. Amen? I want to speak something over the men. I want all the men in this, this room to stand up. All the men in this room, stand up. Father or not, young and old, I want you to stand up. And I want to speak something over you. Close your eyes. I want you to listen. I'm going to, I'm going to speak something over you. Because your Father God sent His Son to pay the ultimate price for you because He believes in you. In fact, if you're around a man right now, just put your hand on them and start praying for them. God believes in you. The Father who created you believes in you. Even when you don't believe in yourself, God believes in you, men. Receive from Him the love and the relationship you have been seeking. He loves you. Your Father's heart is passionate for your full identity as His Son. Based purely on relationship, not on performance. Be blessed as He calls you to life to fully live the sonship you are due. You don't have to work for it. You can't earn it. And you can never lose it. Be blessed and with perfected love that casts out all fear. He loves you perfectly. And that word that's telling you that you aren't enough, that you don't have what it takes, that you don't belong... Don't believe those words. They are lies from the pit of hell. God says, I love you, I want you, and I welcome you into all that I have. You are joint heirs to Jesus. Be blessed to know without a doubt that your Father is extending His favor towards you. This is the time of your Father's favor. And so receive His powerful love and be blessed with His mighty favor today. You are favored among all men. Be blessed with His joy, for surely His joy is in you, and your strength and His goodness will follow you all the days of your life. God says to you right now, you are my son in whom I am well pleased. Be blessed. Walk in it. Be powerful men of God today in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give the Lord praise for that. Give the Lord praise. Amen. You may be seated. I have a heart that it's in my prayer time. Um... I, um, I, I, you know, in my prayer, I, I, I don't know how you pray, but in, it doesn't mean mine's completely the way you should do it. But, but there's sometimes in my prayer, I just say, God, I don't know what to pray. This actually happens a lot. You know, I, I want to know what you want me to pray. And every time I've been asking that lately, he's been saying, I want you to pray for the men. And so I've just been, been just crying out. Because there's an attack on men. 
And I'm not saying there's not an attack on women. Listen, trust me, we're praying for you too, so you're not the only one. But when I ask that question, he wants me, to, wants me personally to pray for men. I think there's something coming. I know there's something coming. And men are going to rise up in a greater way. And so as soon as I, I, I have that word from the Lord, you know what to do about it, I'm going to do it. And there's going to be a time of releasing, time of impartation. There's something happening, guys. Guys, I tell you what, God wants to speak to you. In your prayer time, just God say, God, tell me what you want you want to say to me, and write it down. No matter what it is, He's got some things He's going to speak to you. Amen.